Welcome to Meet Me at the Top, the show dedicated to Pokemon people. We meet the best, the biggest, the brightest, the fastest, and the amazing. The amazing people who are leading procurement today and tomorrow. My name is Simba. This is Meet Me at the Top, a procurement podcast dedicated to uplifting procurement people, taking them to the next level. Today we've got a great guest. I'm very humbled and honored to have Dolly Makole. She is our guest today. She is an expert in procurement, a PMFA maestro, a genius in corporate governance. Thank you, Dolly. Welcome to the show. Good day. Thanks for the opportunity to be part of this great initiative for being part of this uh, podcast where I share my journey, my experience with the procurement and supply chain community. So, yes, a little about myself. How long have you been in this industry and what have you learned from your work? I think my journey started over 20 years ago, coming out from school, studied logistics management with Technicon Pretoria, then currently being TUT. So I was fortunate enough to get a job immediately after my studies with one of the government institutions as an admin officer on a contract basis. While there, I got an opportunity to uh, work as a customs officer based in Bay Bridge. It was a great opportunity because I got to meet uh, different people, different cultures. More importantly was that um, I felt so valuable by adding um, to the country's revenue generation platforms so that was great but while there got married uh, in 2003 then I had to rethink where I wanted to be needed to settle down start a family then I applied for another position which was junior to what I was currently at but I said I started to focus in supply chain purchasing and procurement. So let me go there and build up my career and see how it goes. Fortunate enough, I also got a position in Polukwani, moved to Polukwani and grew from there. One step at a time, came back to Pretoria, 2008, as a sourcing specialist, whereby I also got other opportunities within the public sector environment. So I grew from one level to the other, and that has helped me to be an all-rounder, to know the ins and outs of procurement. And with time, I also grew into the governance area to understand the legislative requirements which helped me a lot to grow into more senior roles and management positions. I also got fortunate enough through my networks uh, at work 
that I got an opportunity to be a part-time lecture where I'm teaching on a PFMA and MFMA, so anything related to procurement. So that gave me more insight and opened my eyes in terms of the um, ups and downs of procurement, which helped me a lot to advance to get to an executive level within the supply chain environment. So let me leave it at that for now and we'll continue. Thank you. Well, that's just interesting. I mean, you have just designed yourself. You made a decision on how you wanted to evolve as a person, as a, as a, as a professional. Uh, I think that's something that we can really learn from you and, and see how we can build our own careers and design them with deliberate thought. Thank you for that. What is your passion in procurement? Procurement is such a broad field. What is your passion? What gets your blood flowing and rushing? My passion about procurement and supply chain is about making a difference. It's the ever-changing environment. So I've got a passion of solving problems. I prefer to not turn back my internal clients or external clients because there's no solution. Supply chain, it's a flexible environment with different routes and processes that one can employ in order to enable uh, the business to achieve its objectives. So I've got passion of problem solving within the procurement and supply chain. With your work, how do you hope to impact your organization? And what are your driving goals? What are your overarching goals? My hopes in impacting the business and the goals, it's mainly to make a difference. How do I make a difference? By being an enabler by making sure that there are solutions to each and every uh, problem, to make sure that the business does not go with unresolved issues and the business does not get exposed to unnecessary irregularities due to processes which are not followed. So I prefer that I bring in initiatives that makes a difference within the processes and governance of supply chain so that the business can be able to achieve its objectives. My goals are to um, be a, a solution giver within the organization. What is the one to that you always carry in your toolbox. I mean, no matter where you are, no matter what project you're doing, you're always having this tool. What is it? Tell us your secret. The tool that I always carry in my toolbox is my policy, regulations, governance-driven, because I believe in clean procurement and make sure that whatever solution that I bring to the business is backed up by the legislation. 
be it in the public sector or private sector. One person who is not happy to have irregularities. I prefer to be clean. I'm a, I would call myself a perfectionist within the procurement environment because I believe it's possible to have clean procurement without findings. What is the biggest problem that you and your team have solved in the recent times? With all this new way of doing things, COVID, economy, I think the whole country or the whole procurement industry has been affected so much in a way that it has impacted on the financials. Businesses are no longer able to pay suppliers, but we still need the service. So it has not been easy, but we had to scale down in terms of what do we procure, what do we buy, ensure that we try to pay as much as possible, come up with payment plans with uh, service providers so that they don't feel the pinch because they're also affected by the same economic uh, challenges that we are faced with, liquidities and so forth. So it has not been easy, coupled to the fact that there's a huge administration that is within the procurement environment, which frustrates service providers. However, we need to find uh, solutions to make sure that the, our processes are seamless and friendly for both the internal users as well as the service providers. When COVID happened, it exposed mostly majority of the industry, majority of the companies, be it public sector and private sector in terms of our ERP system, being able to go paperless uh, because our environment is paper driven. So now with COVID, we had to shift drastically 360 degrees to move away from paper-based to electronic document which we're still finding our feet in terms of the governance element, whether it will be acceptable when it comes to audit, but also for business continuity, it is necessary or it was necessary that that shift take place in order for the business to still run and we can catch up with the economy. So as a department or as a person, what is the the problem that you're trying to solve, what is the opportunity that you're trying to conquer in your department and what is your purpose towards that? Now, that that's a huge question, uh, Simba. Mm -hmm. uh, a problem or opportunity that I'm trying to conquer currently, it has to do with governance. Whether it's in a public sector or a private sector, I believe that governance is very important. But coming back to public sector, with what I've already said relating to procurement being on the spotlight, with also the evidences that has been presented through the commission, we've learned that there's a lot of shenanigans. Governance and compliance within supply chain is very important. And as I've indicated, it is possible that we can have a clean procurement process. 
as long as our controls are in place. It's my pride to have a clean bill of health. It's my pride to, to have a clean uh, process that I can be proud of to say that in terms of my tenure in that particular organization, I had clean audits. It's my status and I walk tall with integrity and that makes me fulfilled. It, it really makes me feel complete because I know that I am clean, my conscience is clean, then I uphold the highest integrity which helps me as well to ensure that what I do is important and is close to my heart. Why is governance so important to you? I mean, I've heard you, I, I should do a word count of how many times you've said governance is, is so important for you. Why is it so important for you personally and why is it important for procurement as a profession and maybe the government and the economy in general? So yes, governance and compliance very important for me, not only for audit, but just to have something that is pure of errors. It makes you complete, it makes you fulfilled. Whenever you do something, be it sewing, when you know that you followed each and every step in what you do and that product is perfect, that fulfills you. So I think it is important because Having clean procurement process fulfills me. Having clean audit fulfills me. And also being able to be accountable with a clean conscience to my uh, principals. Those who've worked with me, they know that I do not compromise on that. And I'm passionate about governance and lead by example in terms of processes and make sure that my team understand the expectation, and they also understand how to actually run the processes without incurring irregular expenditures or fruitless. Planning as well plays a very a big role within the governance and compliance because if we plan better way ahead on time, then we're able to um, run our processes in time so that we don't work in the hurry because that becomes one of our key challenges when it comes to uh, governance and, 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 and compliance within the procurement environment. Communication, communication, communication. Awareness, awareness, awareness to our stakeholders is very important. We also need to be patient when it comes to educating our stakeholders because that's not their field. They are more interested in getting what they are looking for. But us who are practitioners, who are passionate about what we're doing, we need to make life easier for our customers. What is it that we need to do to get our governance in order? Way of thinking, the mentality of all stakeholders, because that is where the problem is. However, I also believe that if from the pro procurement perspective and processes, we are clear in terms of our processes, we develop templates, 
we develop checklists which guides the procurement process and it's able to trigger the uh, problem before it becomes a problem then we would uh, conquer if all can have the same goal that we want to work smart we want to uh, be effective in our processes and want to have a clean procurement process without findings when we get audited then i am sure it's possible we can conquer we can achieve when you are passionate you are passionate it's very important that you are clear in what is expected from your stakeholders i think many people will agree with you that many users are disillusioned by procurement laws and procurement regulations and policies it seems for them that you, we are there to make it difficult for them you know make everything harder and and so forth but uh, that is not what we are here to do we just want to make the world a better place we want to help them to achieve their own goals as departments as organizations as businesses as a country or as a people so i think we really do have to restructure how we engage with them your processes as well are very clear i also go an extra mile to develop documents or templates that guide step by step process for my users so that it's friendly for them to understand how the process work it's friendly for them to to relate and be able to apply those principles even without somebody holding their hands having templates that guide key areas of interest in the process is very important for example you've got a, a process for transactions of below 30000 and you've got a template that explicitly indicate what document is expected and from step 1 2 3 and 4 what is required and who are the key personnels to make that effective and ensure that your delegation of authorities as well they are embedded in that particular document it makes life easier it even makes easier when you transfer or you translate hard copy document into your automated system because you will then be able to even link the approvals to that particular process and then it makes life easier what are the misconceptions that people tend to have about procurement and is there anything controversial about what you do you know in procurement the misconceptions which people tend to have about this problem in our industry i think it's more of misalignment misunderstanding whereby in particular users they feel that the procurement processes are a waste of time and they don't feel it's important to follow each and every process i beg to differ with that because for me 
following the correct process is very important. As much as the user's environment is important, uh, profit-driven, we want to generate revenue and so forth, we still need to ensure that the processes have been followed, the five pillars of supply chain have been taken into account, we are fair, we are transparent in our processes, and each and every person has been given an opportunity to compete. If it's clear, then we improve in terms of effectiveness, the turnaround time. Then we can also address the issues around um, we can also address the issues around the user's conception, whereby they think that it's a waste of time. If we've improved the turnaround time, then they will get their services on time to meet their deadline and deliver on time on their side. And if we teach them and empower them around planning, then we will also be able to run the process on time from the procurement side. Then both parties win at the end of the day. How does your issue or problem significantly affect a particular group of people and how? Yes, the the, the issue or the problem significantly affect a particular group of people. I always teach my students in class that accounting officers, accounting authorities, they've got the accountability of each and everything that we do. And the rest of us who are employed for a particular organization by virtue of being appointed to that role. So if the listeners take your solution and how you are proposing that we deal with these matters, how do you think it will change their lives? Would it be for the better? And how so? We also have the level of accountability that we need to honor, remembering that the accounting officer and accounting authorities, they have the overall accountability, but I am also accountable and responsible for my area, which should not affect the overall accountability. So how I do my process, I need to bear in mind that somebody else might take a fall. And it does not mean that I will not take a fall or I will not be affected because accountability starts from the ground up to the top. So each and every important, each and every area has got the accountability built in it. So it is inherent to our uh, roles, our positions, our responsibilities. So it's very important that we understand that there is a significant impact to all of us, not only to the accounting officers. So all of us have a responsibility, we have accountability, and we need to make sure that whatever we do, we can stand in the court of law and defend our actions. What do you wish you had known before starting your career in procurement? I wish I knew that procurement is this exciting, motivating, challenging at the same time. But the challenges within procurement are the challenges that say, keep coming, keep coming. So you keep wanna do, do um, 
more, learn more. It's an uh, ever-learning environment, if I may call it that. And that is very interesting. Procurement is not boring. It needs somebody who's strong, though. Uh, not somebody who can crash easily. So imagine someone is listening now and they want to follow you, you know, follow your footsteps. What advice would you give them? The advice I would give to people wanting to follow the similar path is that if you want to join the procurement route, you need to be principled, have uh, the integrity, grounded, in a sense that you stand your ground, you know your story. In procurement, we, it's, it's not an environment for those who take chances. It's an environment for people who knows their story. Like myself, if you wake me up 2 a.m. and ask me a question around procurement, I will tell you and give you the best guidance ever. So... We need smart people in procurement, <laughs> people who can lead by example and who are very well informed. What are the top three skills for success in today's industry for a procurement professional? What would you recommend for employers and employees to just have in their toolboxes? Top three skills, professionalism, time management, and communication is very important in procurement or in supply chain. How do you continue to learn and stay on top of things within your role? I, I keep continuing to learn by always reading or familiarizing myself with the legislation, also benchmarking, other industries or other um, countries' procurement. I also participate in the World Bank uh, analysis. So that keeps me on my toes because I need to study my government, my, my South African um, regulations in order to feed into the um, global industries so that they can see that in South Africa as well we are on par. We are at that level of international standard. Also by being a lecturer helps me a lot to keep on reading, reading because I need to feed my students with uh, the correct and accurate information which is up to scratch. So that helps me a lot. Even now, I'm still studying. So you are also a lecturer. I mean, that's amazing. It's always nice to share your knowledge and give insights to other people, you know, to really raise the game. So thank you so much for, for being a teacher. It's, it's quite important. And more so in an area that as a country or as a, a system, we are struggling with, and that relates to compliance would you be able to share with us a success story or one two-step process that you can provide and say this tool, if you do it like this, I've done it, it will work for governance. Governance is a big problem for South Africa right now and the world in general. Thanks for that uh, question, Simba. 
So in terms of um, governance and compliance, I think uh, maybe let me give you an example of activities within supply chain. I remember when I joined a particular organization which was coming from being a private sector to a public sector. It was not an easy um, transition merely because it's in a manufacturing in, uh, environment and that environment it's driven by uh, profit it's driven by speed it's driven by quality more than uh, process or governance so when i joined the organization was having a huge uh, number in terms of irregular expenditure and that emanated from uh, multiple causes of which one was uh, lack of knowledge, uh, change management not done right or not done at all, alignment to the policy within the uh, public sector space. So when I got there, the first thing that I looked into was to look at what are the um, transaction or transactions that led to um, irregular expenditure. Then realized that there are a number of things, things such as tax, uh, CSD, competitiveness, not getting enough codes, not getting deviations approval for such, and also not having contracts in place. So what I did is that I, out of that analysis, I took that and created a gap analysis for myself to say that these are the gaps that exist, so I want them to be closed. And how do I close them? I need to bring in controls, controls in, form of, in a form of templates which I developed uh, to guide each and every process as well as a checklist for each and every transaction within a particular threshold. So with this checklist and the templates, so the templates like RFQ templates, um, evaluation templates, which has got formulas which are built into that Excel spreadsheet so that when the evaluators evaluate the transaction, they only factor in the numeric number without tampering with the formula then it gives them the outcome and the recommendation then based on that a report can be written then recommendation and other placement after approval has been given that worked very well and it helped a lot because one of the major uh, finding from the um, auditors was that the formula that was used was incorrect even though the outcome was similar or would have been the same the fact that the formula was incorrect, not the one that was in the triple PFA, then it became a problem. And building in the formula within the spreadsheet assist uh, the buyers and the um, uh, sourcing specialists not to tamper with the formula. Then we don't we will not have issues around that uh, on the governance side. What has been the impact? What has been the reaction? What has been the success? What are the challenges that you have faced? So that assisted to close all the gaps 
with the um, checklist. Checklist assist in a way that before you place an order, you ensure that you tick all the boxes to make sure that uh, there are no steps that have been missed, there are no processes that did, were not followed uh, accurately, then that at the same time helps to trigger or to monitor uh, irregularities within the process. So it helps to, to, to manage your irregular expenditure before it, it gets incurred. And it allows for one to be able to uh, go back in a process to fix what is incorrect uh, before it's, it's incurred. So um, that helped a lot. By implementing such, um, I saw a big move from the um, irregular expenditure that was there when I arrived into the, new, the second year. There was no irregular expenditure that was new other than an inherent kind of uh, irregular expenditure which came from a previous purchase order that was placed maybe a year ago but only delivered. Uh, in the current financial year under consideration. So that, the, the, the controls that are implemented helped a lot in curbing the irregular expenditure and reducing the audit findings. And in the second year, the key thing to audit is to make sure that you, 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 you run your analysis internally or you do your internal audit in order to make sure that you pick up uh, transgression by yourself and disclose it to auditors. That helps a lot not to have finding if you disclose. You might have the, the, the transgression, but as long as you, you, you disclose it beforehand to the auditors, it helps you not to be in the red when it comes to audit. Again, it's very important that within your supply chain, when you have a governance uh, and compliance uh, personnel or resource. They keep on doing spot checks on the process to make sure that we don't incur irregularities. And that is part of continuous improvement within our processes and within our unit. So it helps a lot to have such controls and monitoring of our processes and system. Thank you, Dolly. The biggest challenge is as it leads to employees of the state doing business with the state there have been a few reports which have been put out by the treasury and the numbers are not going down what do we need to do to manage that part beyond even the talk of favoritism beyond inflating of prices why is it difficult to implement from my perspective i think the reason why that happens it's merely because uh, employees are not rewarded accordingly or they are not getting paid enough to cater for their uh, responsibilities and obligation at home. Hence, they then look for other alternatives um, and opportunities to make extra income to supplement what they are earning. Although I don't second support it, uh, I think that we need to relook at the uh, remuneration structures 
for the state employees to make sure that whatever they are rewarded with for their work done, it's then um, linked to the work that they are doing and they are able to survive without struggling. We've got so much responsibilities uh, in terms of um, our responsibilities at home where we have children going to school, we've got bonds, cars, and over and above that you've got taxes that you are paying. You're paying tax on literally everything. Uh, you're paying tax on your salary, which is around 40% plus. You then pay tax on each and everything that you buy, meaning that your whole salary is tax. You pay tax in fuel, you pay tax on the roads, you're, buying toll gate, you're paying toll gates and so forth. So we end up working for the state and being taxed, taxed all the money and then we're not able to do anything. Then we don't even feel what the tax is doing for, for, for us, unlike other countries. If you look at countries like uh, Canada, uh, Europe, uh, USA, you, 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 you get to understand why are they being taxed because the, the government then give them the best education which is not paid for because it's paid for by the tax. You've got medical system that uh, you don't have to get have a medical aid if you don't need to because everyone gets equal health system. So that helps a lot. So although I, I, I don't support that employees of the state must um, uh, do business with the state, I think we need to, the state needs to relook at the remuneration that is given to the employees so that it can compensate for everything. Or the state needs to revisit the services, public services that they are giving to the people so that our taxes must work for us so we don't feel the burden of school fees and all that. Everything is so expensive. I remember when I was growing up, my parents didn't have to pay school fees. I was getting books for free from government and uh, food at school. It, it, it was good. And even though their salaries were low, but they did not feel it. Uh, my parents did not feel it because at least the government was doing something which was compensating for the taxes and the low income that we, they were getting. So yes, there are um, disclosures that we, we, we make in the beginning of the year code of conduct uh, that we have to sign as supply chain personnel, but that does not work alone because it's a paper declaration. Because when it comes to corruption or ethics, there is real corruption and there, there is perceived corruption. So I think we also have to deal with the perception of corruption. It needs our integrity. To, we, we need to be conscious and be people of integrity to make sure what we disclose is the truth and we don't go behind and do other things and not take away opportunities of those people that are not employed by the state because such opportunities are, are, are meant for them so that we can have a balance and curb the unemployment rates uh, that we're having in the country. So, yeah, it's two things. Remuneration review and also the services that are given by the state out of the taxpayers' money needs to be revisited. So suppose you get a call from the Deputy Chief Justice and he wants some advice. What are the recommendations from what you have heard and seen 
uh, on the TV. What are the recommendations? What can we do as a profession to get things in the right track? Yeah, in terms of the commissions, the evidences that we've had, testimonies we've had, what what can I advise from my side? I I, I would think uh, that we, we've we've learned a lot from the commission, and we've also learned that. There are gaps in terms of how the appointments are made within supply chain. That's number one. However, we also learned that the political interference or management interference within the supply chain process is a problem. And that needs to be dealt with by ensuring that the supply chain personnel are given authority or power to refuse certain uh, instructions that are not within the law to be carried out within the supply chain process. And I also think that we need to educate the accounting authorities in terms of supply chain processes because most of the instructions that come from accounting authorities come out of not really knowing what is the correct process? And you find that then within supply chain, people take instruction that because it's from the board, I can't say no, instead of providing uh, the correct guidance and uh, advice to the board to say that, yes, I hear you want this particular process run, but that is not how it's supposed to be done. Instead, this is how it's supposed to be done, and this is how we're going to do it without that fear of thinking that you lose your job. So supply chain personnel are living in fear of losing their jobs because the instruction came from the board or the instruction came from the CEO or whoever. Power that is being used in within supply chain, it becomes a problem. And I think we need to educate our accounting authorities and officers in terms of the PFMA and the expectation from the constitution to say that this this is what the principles of supply chain needs to be adhered to at all times without take without taking into consideration the level of seniority but we need to always stick to the process and procedures of supply chain so i think that education education is very important awareness is very important to make sure that all parties understand what is expected of them i don't believe in consequence management myself because consequence management does not change what happened and it only instill fear it makes people uh, to be scared of doing their job accurately because they scared to make mistakes, and if they make mistakes, then there will be consequence management. I just believe in giving people a room to be the best, to be what they can be, given that they are given that knowledge, they are given an opportunity, training, and resources to be able to do their job. Because in supply chain, another problem that we're having is interferences from end users giving us pressure to say that i need this by yesterday i need this but while they failed to plan so planning is also very important consequence management for me it does not really help much although 
it's needed in instances where negligence has been proven through a thorough investigation that this was a result of negligence. But where it's a result of an error, lack of knowledge, where people were not empowered, I don't think consequence management is it's really necessary. But people need to be given uh, all that they need, resources, capacitated in form of training, and also uh, be allowed to practice as practitioners and specialists by making sure that they um, do their job without fear. Yeah. So it's always good to hear beautiful stories from you, stories to inspire a generation, stories to match our times. So thank you for joining us today. I I'm quite impressed by the resolve and clarity and value you place on governance, on doing things the right way. Thank you very much. So thank you so much, Dolly, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. 